And good morning there, listener. It is time for Lift After Breakfast here on 3CR. 3CR, your only radio lift. Susanna with you. Hello there on another beautiful, beautiful day in Melbourne. And hello there to Glenn, our resident historian, his and her historian, our historian. Good morning. Good morning, Susanna, and good morning to listener. And once again, that date in the year has arrived, November 11. I mean... Whitlam was sacked. Yes. The guns fell silent. Ned Cully was murdered by the state. Some interesting events occurred in this day. And I just want to, yeah, just touch briefly on some of those events today. Because um, without those events, we wouldn't be the world we're in now, would we? Without, That's background. Without those events occurring, this wouldn't be events, the world it is now. Without those events, it would be a different place, yes. I mean, maybe I'll go back chronologically. I mean, we know Ned Cully was hung on, at 10am on the 11th of November. 1880, he'd, um, he was a young man, he was 25, 26, he was born at a little place called Beveridge, just outside of Melbourne. Uh, we went to an auction at the Cully House a few years ago, and the state government finally this year, I know Danielle Green, who's a local MP, and someone else has finally agreed to some restoration to preserve and save the house, you know, probably the most famous European Australian, and um, Ned Cully came from a harsh existence, he, uh, his father was a released convict, his mother had come across as a free settler from Ireland with her family, and um, Ned Cully was one of a large family, they did it hard, they lived... Um, at Beveridge, just north of Melbourne. Where, where is Beveridge exactly? Beveridge on the Hume Highway, my dear, just past Donnybrook. Just past. Oh, so it's just up the road. It's a suburb, yeah. really. Well, it's, they're doing huge new developments. Donnybrook and Beveridge have a huge new estates happening. Really? Uh, well, people have to live somewhere. Well, my family were there in a similar period of time. We were in Woodstock, which is adjacent to Donnybrook. And Donnybrook in those days was called Kinlock U, an old Gaelic name. But Beveridge was adjacent, and um, Nick Kelly was born there. He moved with his family to Avenal, where his father died of a dropsy. Ned and the family moved to Greta. Ned had a, but it was a harsh life. They were, hard, they were poor very people. Very hard life, yes. And they were, were. Well, it's bloody hard now out there if you're poor. Hmm. And they fell foul of a law, as we know. And Ned Kelly was involved in a range of criminal activities, which weren't uncommon at the time. You know, it was a hard existence. As I keep emphasising. Ned, we know, was involved in the uh, the shootings of Stringy Bark Creek near Mansfield. Three police died. There's the two famous bank robberies, Euroa and Geraldry. And Geraldry was especially famous. Because they, they arrested the police, a lot of the police up for two days, and they'd parade in police uniforms and they disappeared like like whirling spirits into the wind. They disappeared from public gaze for 16 months until Glen Rowan. We saw the episode of Glen Rowan, the, uh, the, the siege, the armour, the plans of the Republic of the North East, the armed horsemen in the hills. It all came to naught. You know, his brother, his two and, friends died. And the, the rat. Well, there was a few rats. Which rat? Do you mean, you mean the rat, um, the school teacher, Kerno, who convinced Ned Kelly to release him? And Dan, young Dan said, no, no. Young Dan didn't trust him, but Ned was more forgiving. He let Kerno go. And Kerno warned the police and saved the police, which condemned the uprising to its fatal ending. And Ned was arrested. He'd been shot, goodness, 30-plus times. He was nursed back to health by the state. He had one final duty to perform, to be murdered by the state, to set an example. And we know of a trial. He had a very poor defence counsel, a young man called Bindon, who wasn't versed in the case. And then Cully wasn't allowed to self... He wasn't allowed to examine the witnesses. And uh, we had that famous exchange between those two examples of Irish Australia, the Irish Catholic and Cully, and Irish Protestant and Redmond Barry. 
And uh, yes, Ned said to Barry, <laughs> I'll see you where I'm going. And they both died not long after. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Ned Kelly was hung this day, November 11th, He didn't see where he was going. I've... He did say, I will see you where I'm going. Ned went to heaven. Well, he and went... Barry went to hell. I know this. Well, uh, well I'm an atheist. And I, I know there's this. No, there's no hell in the heaven for me, but... Um, Look, I knew this when I was a child. Mm, but it was a famous exchange, and the, the, they were stunned. How dare is this, this beast, this murderer, question this pillar of our Melbourne society? And um, they exchanged words, and, yes, Ned Kelly was hung, and... Redmond Carbuncle, Redmond Barry got a carbuncle on the neck that got infected and died. And um, Yes, and Ned Kelly, we know there was the, the big public meetings, there was over 40,000 signatures obtained to reprieve his life, and um, he was hung because the state wanted to say, OK, this is our power. Yeah, like Bolty. Like Bolty. But anyway, Ned Kelly was hung on this day about 10 a.m. 137 years ago today, November 1880. years Go, was it? Yeah. Poor Ned, you're better off dead. At least you'll get some peace of mind. Yes. You're out on the track, they're right on your back, and boy, they're going to hang you high. And that's the first part of a trilogy of events we're going to talk about today. The next part. Oh, we're yes. talking about Ned. I thought you were just re- re- refreshing my memory for me. Oh, no, my dear. I'm sort of I'm, I'm firing from the hip here. Just the ideas and the thought processes are all sort of congealing. Was, wasn't there a cousin who did the dirty on Ned? Oh no! Which what do you mean? You mean oh, I dirty? don't know. I don't know. Look, I mean, there, there was, there was, there was Joe Burns' best friend Aaron Sherrod who played a double game. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron played a double game. Aaron was um, Aaron was manipulated by Detective Ward of the police. Detective Ward realised Aaron was um, Aaron was prepared to sell Ned and Dan and Steve, not his best friend Joe, and uh, Aaron gave the police false evidence. And Aaron was being paid by the police, but he was bushing the police. He'd say they'd be in place A, they'd be in place B. They'd be coming tonight, they'd come in two nights. And he took the police money and Ward saw through Aaron. Like, Hang on, you're playing games. So they set him up. And uh, we know Joe Byrne killed him as the precursor to Glenn Rowan. And um, Aaron was a, a poor fool who was manipulated to um, sell, not sell his friend, but um, sell others. And um, like those who become traitors for right or for wrong reason, he paid the ultimate penalty. And he died. Two days before Glen Ron, he died around 6.30pm on Saturday, June 24, 1880. When you say he died, he was shot. He was shot it? dead by yes. his best friend, his former best friend, Joe Byrne, shot him dead in front of his wife, his mother-in-law, and four police who hid under the bed. And four police who hid under the That's bed. That's correct. And they dragged the, the wife and the mother-in-law under the bed also to protect themselves from bullets. Those four police were um, eventually dismissed from the police force. Were they? They were sent to his hut to guard him from the outlaws, and um, <laughs> he was murdered and they hid under the bed. Four of them. They, that's in, that was the thing. As we know, Glen Ron, the idea was the outlaws hadn't been seen since Geraldry in February 1879. They reappeared. They shot Aaron in June 1818. I thought, oh, this will be newsflash. They're out. They've been seen. And the police would leave the hut to alert other police. Aaron was shot around 6.30 p.m., the police stayed in the hut till next morning. They were too scared to leave. So they delayed the information being relayed back to Melbourne. So the outlaws waited all day Sunday, waited and waited for the police trying to come to be derailed. And they waited and waited. And it finally arrived at 3.30am on the Monday, many hours later than expected. And Kerno had escaped. With Nick, well, Kerno had been released to warn the police. And the trail wasn't derailed. Oh, Ned, and that Glenn was Ron a mistake. Arrived. That was a mistake, Ned. Don't do it next time. Don't ever do it again. Well, he hasn't had a chance. Them. Yeah. But Ned Kelly was hung this day in 1880. This day... Hanged. 
Well, he was hanged, OK. Mm. He, he, well, he was murdered by the state. Yes, he was murdered. This day in 1918, the guns fell silent across the Western Front. Oh, yes, it's an, it's an incredible expression, that, isn't it? Mm. It has, it's chilling, well, but, but it strikes in your heart the guns fell silent. The day after, was it the day after, but two days after... Uh, Rupert Owen, not Rupert Owen, um, having oh a blankie, I shouldn't know. Wolfred Owen was killed. I know, it makes me think of the last line from the book. All quiet on, on the Western, Western Front. Front. Because that last line in the book is, and the news for the day was, all quiet on the Western Front. Well, as I said, the, the armistice was signed by officials of the French, British and Americans with the Germans in a railway carriage at a place called Compagnie. 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 Between 5.12 and 5.20 a.m. Paris time, the understanding was the guns would go silent at 11 a.m. on the 11th of November. And there have been attempts to... This wasn't a German surrender. This was a... This was a ceasefire. A ceasefire? Not a surrender, because there have been overtures made since January that year by the American President Woodrow Wilson, who'd put a peace proposal to the Germans, and they were like, no, 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 we won't. It was an Allied offensive in mid-18, and the German forces were crumpling. They just, the American influx had added to the impetus of the British, the French. There was more troops against the Kaiser's Germany. And overtures were made back and forth in his attempt to bring the war to an end in September, October. But the Germans refused to accept one part of Wilson's peace proposal. They would not allow the Kaiser to be removed. Nine. Wilson's peace proposal said removal of the Kaiser. The Germans said nine. But the army was folding. Supplies were running out. Men were revolting. We know uh, November 8, November 9, soldiers and sailors mutinied in Deutschland. They were tired of the war. Over. We're sick of this, this rich man's war, you know? And uh, the Kaiser abdicated on November the 9th. So the goal the West wanted, the goal the Allied powers wanted, the Entente wanted from the West was granted, not as part of the peace settlement, but as part of, you know, the Kaiser were like, time to go. And as I said, it wasn't a surrender. The deal was the Germans would return to their own ground. There'd be exchange of prisoners. There'd be scope for firm negotiations. But guns would fall silent. So at 11 o'clock on 11th of November 1918, the guns across the Western Front fell silent. And the war to end all wars officially ended. And uh, what a war it was. It, it was around 38 million people died. Was it 20 plus million soldiers and 17 million civilians? 38 hang on, million. Just, hang on just a mm-hmm. sec, just a sec. Uh, oh, I'm just thinking now, I live mm-hmm. in Melbourne. We now have, have a population of 4 million. It's, it's expanded mm-hmm. out, of, out of mind. Now, how many people are in Australia? 23 million? 23, 24. So let's say 24 million dead. So there are 24 million people in Australia. Mm. Now, how many, you're saying... It was died? around combined civilian and military deaths, around 38 million. That's 38 million for mm. the First World War. Mm. Well, that's a lot of people, isn't it? That's in four years. And four years of the war, which was meant to A, end by Christmas 1914, and when it did end, it was called the War to End All Wars. And it wasn't. But deaths continued unabated because around the same time as the guns fell silent on Armistice Day, we had the outbreak of the worst pandemic 
humanity's ever well, been recorded in human history for Spanish influenza. And the figures fluctuate. It's estimated between 20 and 40 million died. And this million? 20 to 40 million died globally. And the, I wonder there's anyone left. Well, what's interesting, the demographics, usually in pandemics, it's the old, the die, or the young. This was the people in their, in their 20s and their 30s, people at the peak of their lives, were the most vulnerable to the Spanish influenza. And it killed in New Zealand, Australia, Europe, Africa, Asia. It spread globally. So it's not just to have, have the horror of war, but a pandemic to follow the war. I wonder what it was, the Spanish flu. It was particularly... I, I'm not an expert on... Um, not, it couldn't have been... It wasn't flu. Look, it was some sort of influenza. Again, I'm not particularly versed in toxicology and similar stuff. Something like bird flu. It could have been like avian both. flu. But it more died than any recorded pandemic in human history. And, look, you know... So well, that's because we had more, more, more people than the last one, um, mm. which is uh, which was the... Um, um, uh, the bubonic plague. Yeah. I, I kept trying to say black plague, but that wasn't it. They called it the black death, but it was the bubonic plague. It's still around. Mm. It's still around. You can still get it. In rats. It's, you can still get it. There was the fleas in the rats, mm. but you can still get it. They had a half a dozen cases in, of all places, USA last mm. year or so. And then we've had it here in Australia. We had one case brought mm. in by a, a, a refugee from the Horn of Africa. Mm. But it doesn't matter that, but that... Um, that killed almost one half of the people in England, mm. and up to two thirds in some parts of Europe. Well, you look at those deaths that occurred from the Spanish Spanish flu pandemic. Look, we had the citizens and the soldiers. They had been through four years of war. What food did they have? What was the nutrition low? They'd be very vulnerable to those sort of things. You know, you had four years of deprivation. So if you had four years them, of horror, so all you. All your defences are down. Hmm. So once this thing takes off, it just spread like wildfire. So, you know, and again, look at World War One. We had, was it 400,000-plus Australians took part, 60,000-plus Australians died, and around 130,000 Australians came back with injuries. And they, some of those are physical, others are mental. You know, the term TPI was quite commonly used. And um, World War One was the war to end all wars. It didn't... Um, as I said, they signed the, the ceasefire November 11 at Compagnie. 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 And six months later, with the Treaty of Versailles signed. And the, the powers of the Allied powers, the, the British, the French, and the Americans and other associated hangers on, they punished Germany severely. They took land from the Rhineland, from Alsace-Lorraine. They made Germany pay an enormous amount of repatriations. And this set the scene for Germany to go through a horrible 1920s. You had stagflation, you had huge unemployment. They had the rise to power a very nasty piece of work, a man who took on board Germany's punishment at the hands of the West, Hitler. So at the end of World War I, the Treaty of Versailles set the tone for Hitler's ascension to power. And World War II was followed in 1939, mm. which had even more deaths. You know, was it 25 million in the Soviet Union alone? Six million Jews died, you know? So World War I, the war to end all wars, wasn't the war to end all wars. It was a springboard. So there are two momentous events in November 11. And the final one, I was at high school. I was in Form 1. When the elected government of Australia was sacked by, um, by the unelected uh, Governor-General of Australia. 
a man who was best described, you know, well, he, the, the governor appointed a new prime minister, a man eloquently described as Kurz Kerr, Malcolm Fraser. And I said, Jenny Hopkins. I don't forgive them. I said, well, he's dead now. So. <laughs> they're both dead. I don't care. Well, they're, they're, all, they're all dead. dead. They're all dead. I'd still, I still don't care. I don't care. I remember I was mm-hmm. going on about mm-hmm. how I do not forgive Malcolm Fraser. Mm-hmm. I never will. I know what he did. Yeah. And there are people saying to me, ah, oh, but look, he did this and he did that. You know, as he got older, yeah. he started trying to be nice. And I thought, yeah, he's scared of dying and being judged. Yeah, well, like a lot of old men now. suddenly get they oh, get Old people. Not, not old men. Old okay, people. Old, so. Yeah, I've probably only heard of it, of old men. They're the ones who are known in public if they've read such an age and they're famous. But I suppose, yes, there are many old people who get to that age and they start worrying about they're going to be judged by the angel, someone with the, the book in their hand, the recorder book. Well, Fatty so, didn't read Kant, did she? So, oh, no. She didn't care what that history judge there. But, but, they, they, yeah, but I wonder whether Fraser might have got pissed holy. I don't care. He's dead. I don't forgive him. My brother, who is a... Clever man was saying to me, trying to say to me, look, the time for it has passed. You can't be, you know, carry the anger. And I said, yes, I can. Why not? And, Why and not? he said, Goff forgave him. And I said, it was not up to Goff to forgive him. It wasn't Goff's way to forgive. It was the Australian people's Absolutely. place to forgive, not Goff's. Okay. Oh, well, I just... Now, what's intriguing, Jenny oh, Hocking... dear me. Jenny Hocking is probably the best writer on the dismissal period, as you call it. Jenny Hocking has been trying to access letters from Queen Lizzie, about Queen Lizzie's correspondence oh, with yes, John Kerr. Oh, yes, some of them have been and going, they're so, yeah. No, they're personal letters. We can't release them. They're not political. They're personal. Pig bum, they're personal. Personal for the Queen. They are documents, which are, well, which are a key part of sorry, which are a key component, an important part of Australian history. And Queen's, the Queen does not have personal things. I mean, that's what you take on when you become the, 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 the monarch like that. My dear. You can't say, sorry, this is my private life. We'll shut the door here. Sorry, they're my personal letters. You can't have them. It doesn't work like If a that. son of the baller maker from Balmain wrote no. to her regarding the dismissal of the Australian Prime Minister, those letters are public documents. They must be released. Wonder what's in them. Well, that's what Jenny Hocking wants to know. That's what we want to know. What Why did Liz it? say to Kerr? What did Kerr say to Liz? Why is it being kept quiet? We, this is what we'd like to know. And that's why Jenny Hocking's writing, saying, you know, we, I'm a historian. I want to see these documents. I've written books on Whitlam and Fraser and Kerr. I need bits of the history which is missing to be filled. You have these documents. Can you please release them to the Australian, on myself, on behalf of the Australian people? Mm. Is there a problem there? You know, is the reason why Queen Liz can't release those things? Well, it's not her, is it? It's the government around her. It's the people around her, you know, whatever the, they the call The Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. I, I, I was, I was going to say servants, but you well, the word what's, right. Is there a difference? Yeah. Servant, lickspittle, the same role, you know? Well, if it's around the monarch, yes. Not yeah, other places. I do recall 1975, I was in, I was in Form 1 and... The teacher told us late in the afternoon, but um, hang on, is when you get home, you'll hear some really momentous news. There's been a big event. Oh, yeah, what's happened here? I remember my mother was on the phone to my auntie, and my auntie said, you know, it'll be a revolution now, blah, blah, blah. Yep, we'll take up arms. Well, my auntie was a bit wrong there. She, she, what she wanted didn't actually happen. No, we were told to keep calm, We even though even though we were also told to maintain our rage. And Whitlam was, was decimated, not just once, but twice in two elections, in 75 and 77. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, one of the key players in Whitlam's demise, well, there's a few factors, uh, Mr Murdoch. 
Murdoch Papers did a big yes. exposure. Was it the Kemalani stuff that Murdoch Papers made a big hoo-ha about? Yes, it's all crap. Well, it, it might have been all crap, but I'm saying the Murdoch Papers, and again, there's no objectivity in those papers, you know. But, yeah, Jenny Hocking wants to have his documents released. And so November 11, 1975, November 11, 1918, November 1880, all seminal dates in our understanding of how our world is shaped as it is currently. Yes, I suppose they are, yes. Hmm. Yes, I was just remembering where, where, where I was on November the 11th, 1975. Where were you? Oh, I know where I was. I was in the studios at the ABC in Elsinwick. Mm-hmm. And, we and we got called. Yes, and, and and we got called out to say, you know, this is what's just happened. And I was saying, no bullshit, you can't do that. You do. And they're saying, you know, this fellow with still with his phones around his ears and things, saying, no, that's happened. You know, this, they've been he's sacked the government, the government sacked. And I'm saying they can't. No one can sack our government. We elected them. <laughs> they can. And then we had to go back into the studio and carry on with the children's stories. It was very hard. But I've never forgotten. People tell me they remember where they were. Where were you, listener? Where were you? I was in the classroom. You were in the classroom. Other people said how they came home from school and they were told the terrible news by their parents. Other people remember being at work. Other people, you know, they remember all sorts of things. They remember all sorts of things. I remember someone asked me once, where was I when Kennedy was assassinated? Well, who cares? But I'll tell you. But I'll tell <laughs> I was you in what, the pram. But I'll tell you what I was doing. I was on, I believe I was on a tram because I, I was looking out the window. There was a tram and there was the banner of uh, the papers there and it said Kennedy assassinated. And I, of course, thought, Graham. Graham Kennedy. Yes, it right. was nine, it was 11 years before the crow call. The crow call was 1974. The famous crow, I heard the crow call. That was late on the Monday night and the crow call came. I was in grade six, 18 months prior to Whitlam being. Sacked again. And again, look, the one ABC person who moved quite quickly on the day was Norman Gunson, who was on the steps of Parliament when Whitlam gave his speech. Norman Gunson was on the steps of Parliament when Whitlam was giving his speech. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. There's footage of Norman Gunston. On the, he, some, he must have been based in Canberra. He was on the steps of Parliament as Whitlam was speaking. You'll find footage of it. There's Norman there. Wobbling around. He didn't actually talk to Whitlam directly. He's wandering around on the steps, asking people questions. Not Norman Gunson. My dear, I if my eyes don't deceive me, Norman Gunson was present on the steps of Parliament House on the afternoon of November 11, 1975. There is footage out there in, in TV land. I don't think there was a Norman Gunston then. I, I was. think Norman was... Norman first appeared in 1974 as a spin-off of the Auntie Jack show. There yeah. was Thin Arthur, Rory O'Donoghue yeah. and Auntie Jack and Norman Gunston had a little and segment. And she will too. And she will, and she, well, she might actually do it. But Gunson first appeared on that in 74, and they, the Gunson show commenced in 75 and ran till about 1980, 81. Yeah, I, I didn't think, I just didn't think it was there. All right, I'll go and try and have a look, but I still don't reckon okay. there in the steps. I think you'll find it's some ordinary, inoffensive journalist oh. or busboy or pie seller. If you have a bow poop. Like someone who cut himself shaving. Had, Numerous times. Had some jelly hose stuck all over his face. He did indeed. Gary McDonald. Remember when men used to do that? Listen, oh, they'd Lord. go out with bits of jelly hose stuck oh, on their face. Much, well, cutting yourself shaving is no fun, my dear. I don't, I don't particularly enjoy it. It's, it makes a bit of a mess. You close and you bleed and make a mess. But, I'm, but Norman Gunston exemplified the issues of the risks of shaving. But he wasn't there in 1880. 
nor was he there in 1989. All his important events when the guns fell silent, you know. When Ned Cully was hung and, um, you know, we have to acknowledge this is part of our history, you know. As they say, if you don't know where you're coming from, how do you know where you're going, my dear? I saw a wonderful um, portrait of Gary MacDonald mm-hmm. on Wednesday. What was he doing? It's an entrance in the Archibalds. Okay. And it's a superb portrait. You walk into the room, room through the gallery and you've been looking at, well, as I was looking at all these lovely things and turned my head and, my God, there was this big portrait of Gary MacDonald and... It was. It hit me like a bloody hammer. He's always looked the same. It's a very moving, terrible. It's an awful picture, image of a man. He's been quite sick at times. It's it's depression. Yes, and it correct. comes. It falls off. Yes, it falls off the portrait. It's he has his head to the side. You don't see his eyes. He's mm. looking to the side. It's a close up head of his head, like a bust you'd put on top of your piano. Uh. <laughs> You know, Cicero or Bach. Uh, and um, but the whole thing, it's just really awful. It gives you an awful, sick feeling. It's very well done, very well, well done. As I said, he's always looked the same. He's the same, very, very bald, very long, but his face has maintained that same appearance. Well, it's just with that bony face. It hasn't yeah. got anything on it that's going to change. Apart from the um, Tally Ho papers, which have long gone, my dear. Yeah, talking of bony faces, I'm going to say hello to a listener. In, in a moment. Hello, listen in a moment. All and speaking right. of t- totally gone, I'm going to be gone soon too because I know there's, um, there's more presenters to come on your show, my dear. There's, um, there's Orin Bolger and there's the Bagman. They'll be here very soon. So I will depart very soon too. You have such mm. faith, really, in the future. I, I try to look for the positive. I've a haircut and they'll be coming in. Going in and, and I always think, well, if all goes well, they will. If all goes well. I'm a proletarian optimist. A what? Anyway, a proletarian optimist. Oh, a proletarian optimist. How strange. That's me. So, listeners, right. from the proletarian optimist from Cohealth, what can I say apart from chocula? Chocula. Oh, well, dear me, listener, I'm glad that we managed to um, bring those microphones on and say good morning to you properly. We were just in a big, involved discussion, the three of us. That's myself, Susanna Duffy, and the Bagman, of course. We've been involved in a few discussions in which different points of view were heard. But, of course, fortunately, with Irene Bolger gracing us with her presence, we don't hear so many different sides anymore because we can just say, what do you reckon, Irene, can we say that? Is it legal? <laughs> and, and, or, or, um, or, or, or more to the point, can, can we be sued and for how much? Yes. That, that's, but we're right. So we say good morning, and I know that Irene and the back man want, want to say good morning to you. Good morning, Susan, and good morning, listeners. Good morning, Susanna. Good morning, Mr. Bagman. Good morning, listeners. And, and it's good a morning, Irene. It's a lovely day, isn't it? Yes, it yes. is. Look, uh, let's get yeah. the let, let's get it get off it our, out of the way. Yeah, oh. Let's let's get it off our chest I'm not saying your because word. I'm not going to mention a certain person for the next five years. Yeah, you can oh. talk about him if you want to, but this will be Trump-free radio. Yes, now, uh, apparently, Labor leader Bill Shorten. Compared to uh, compared Mr. Trump to extremists in Europe and called him barking mad. Yes. Um, well, I would too. But, but, but that was last week. Um, Christopher Pine apparently uh, called him terrifying. But uh, that was last week. <laughs> Josh Frydenberg <laughs> called him a dropkick. 
but that was last week. The only person I've heard speak the truth since the election of that uh, fascist uh, woman molester last week uh, was Richard Di Natale from your favourite party, Susan. We got up and told some home truths. But by God, did he get attacked from all the forelock tuggers uh, in the Australian Parliament who are now saying oh. th- this drop kick, oh, this bloke who's barking mad, this bloke who um, is uh, terrifying. Uh, terrifying and, uh, uh, and uh, molests women, oh, we've got to work with him. Yes, we've got to. Do the right thing no, and whatever. He's not we such a bad bloke after yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I'm never going to mention him again for the, in the next four years because this is community radio. We can hear about Trump uh, for the next four and a half years as it is. He won't be mentioned on this radio program. You can mention him. Um, no, uh, I'm going to say something today. But Paul Keating, Paul Keating... Is good though, because Paul Keating said we should separate ourselves off from the United States. Yes, about time. Yes, about time. And then, we need to do that, and we yeah. wouldn't have to go to so many wars. Exactly, and, and we wouldn't be under their thumb and have them setting up bases on our country in our <coughs> country, and God only knows what else that we don't know about. Well, you can be sure and, of two things, Irene. Mm. Um, the, um, the, the, uh, the coming of the American elections, uh, the first is that has been proven beyond doubt that any person, any person <laughs> can become president of the United States of America. And secondly, that the director of the FBI, James Comey, has a job for life if he wants yes. it. Yes, but the thing is you still have to be rich. Not not any old old working class. Oh no, person. no you've no. still got to be rich, but you can be mad and rich. I see there's a lot no. of demonstrations taking place in America now yes. by young people. That, yes. that's the hope of the future. It is young people. Um, it's it was old uh, white men that voted for Donald Trump. Now these young people are protesting, so there's a bit of oh, I think a bit of were, light on the top of the hill. Yes, exactly. But I think there were more than that. I with think there were more Trump. than old white um, men too, which is worry. But I'm not yeah. going to. Well, I was just going to say I've got a Facebook friend who's African American, and she's educated. She went to college. She's she's got an excellent job, and uh, she's been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks she's voting for Trump. And she was quite adamant about it because when I said, well, why don't you just not vote for anybody because she hates Clinton? Um, And the thing was, though, that part of her reasoning was that he's going to stop immigration. It's better for black people if you keep uh, keep immigrants out, which was an interesting uh, attitude to have, but that was what she said. (laughs) Yes, so I'd say that there probably would have been a few... Uh, African Americans who would have voted for him on that basis that he was going to keep Mexicans out and other immigrants and he was going to start sending immigrants home. He's, them home. he's going to start the, um, to deport uh, Mexicans. Yes, and, and you know immigrants. how he's going to do it? He's going to do it one by one. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Stop it. I saw that joke yesterday, actually. <laughs> I made it up. You did. Been it was very the world. good. It was very good. <laughs> one all by I've, one. Well, well, um, but I can was... I just, I'm giving him the tool of the week. <laughs> all all I, obviously. Yeah. But all but I was going to say <laughs> yes. to you, Bagman, was I really appreciate your use of the term forelock tuckers. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, because I mean, there is another term that you 
have <laughs> regarding these people. And you're but just, I prefer you. Well, four lock tug is, is fine for on air. You're just um, thankful that he's used that one, aren't yes, you? Yes, instead of yes. the other one. Now, I'm giving tool of the week, and if you have a look at some of the things that he's uh, said he's going to do, uh, he's going to take with with um, with um, uh, what he calls. Um, well, I suppose what everybody is calling in in terms of uh, terrorists, he says that uh, they should take out their families as well. They've got to close up the internet somehow. Um, frankly, unthinkable tactics are a hell of a lot worse than waterboarding. I hate to think of what it is. It's probably... And uh, confiscating Iraq's energy resources to pay for Washington's defence spending in the region. And uh, so... <clears throat> That'll be interesting. Uh, mm. I don't know whether the border wall is actually going up, but can I say that this is bloke is a sex offender because he has admitted, in his own words, that he has committed offences, committed offences, crimes, and uh, I, it's an interesting thing because I, I'm accused when I criticise Trump, I'm accused of liking Clinton. No, I don't. No. Uh, because she, if she had been elected, she would have gone in and demolished Syria and uh, probably would have started a war with Russia <laughs> because the last time I saw yeah. her talking, she was talking about uh, the, what's going to happen with Russia. So I do think there was a problem, obviously, with both of them. She would have been better on... Uh, on uh, um, things like... Because... Uh, Trump's going to wipe out Obamacare, and he doesn't say he's replacing it with anything. So Clinton would have been better on uh, things in Amer in the United States, in policies, uh, perhaps. But, you know, I, I think it was bad and badder, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, badder got in, and or maybe they're both badder. Well, but <laughs> they, they well, were both... No choice. You, they were both third-rate candidates. I don't agree with you. And we got a sixth-rate uh, decision from the American people, and I reckon, I reckon, I reckon, ISIS uh, will be laughing all the way to their next beheading. Uh, they must be throwing up in their mouth at the moment. They must be laughing with glee um, uh, at Donald Trump's um, yes. um, election. Anyway, he's going to build a wall. It's going to cost him. Five hundred and forty-four billion. No, the Mexicans are paying for it. Uh, well, I was going to say five hundred and forty-four billion pesos. Yeah, uh, Is he going to invade them if they don't? Is he going to invade them if they don't pay? Look, what look. what do you say, Suzanne? You've got no, I say he, he must invade Mexico now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but about do it. Clinton, do it you now. wanted to say something. You said you no. Were, I was saying I, 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 I don't agree. She was the third-rate candidate. I say she was the only candidate. She's trained all her life to bet that candidate and everything that you say about her and wars and things. It's what every president of the USA yes, has done. done. Yes. She's no different from any of the others, yes. which made her a well-trained, well -trained, mm. highly qualified candidate. Yep. He wasn't. No. That's right. No, I agree with that. But the, that was, um, but the problem was she was a woman, you see, and she's going to get was castigated mm. more about it than uh, if it had been a bloke. So I think, was I think it was the hell out of yeah, uh, Russia. I think it was Susan Sarandon, uh, that uh, award-winning actress, that said, I don't vote with my vagina. She actually used the C word, 
which we can't use on radio. No, um, but even I wouldn't use it. Yeah, that's would. right. I don't but like she that said, I do not vote with my vagina. No, well, I don't either. No. I mean, I think I think uh, the thing is, uh, any woman is not not better than a good a good candidate. I, I just wouldn't vote. I mean, I didn't like Marge, Margaret Thatcher. I would never have voted for her in a million years. That's right. So, Any Golda Meir. Yeah, Golda Meir. Anyway, Gary Foley um, uh, wrote to me and said we survived. I didn't vote for him. We survived Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> we all survived oh, Trump. No. Reagan's <laughs> not a bit <laughs> Reagan was a, <laughs> a dim-witted sort of half-asleep well, bloke. sick man and he shouldn't have, <laughs> he should have been quietly put down. Now, I'm, I'm the... But it was Bush. was Bush we survived. Yes. Yeah. I'm no. the ancillary tool of the week, and I have to tell you a oh, yeah. oh. story against myself. Yeah. When I left here last week, and because there's builders out the front, I like to have a little chat with them sometimes. Yeah, you know, especially get, get if they're good-looking and they're sure. young. Oh, they all are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get back to my working class. Yeah. Well, That's right. Don't worry about the hard hat. Look, they're <laughs> Anyway. You don't get middle-aged paunchy ones. You get... Young, raunchy ones. Anyway, I stopped to just have a little discussion, chat. chat with this young bloke who was hanging on to this very thick pane of glass and there was another bloke on the other end of it. And I started going blah, blah. And he's looking at me with a little bit of astonishment and amazement because what I didn't realise was there, were cra- there was a crane on the other end of that uh, piece of glass. <laughs> the crane driver was obviously waiting for me to move yes. away. So I was... Ushered away by the boss, really, who that, that very built. politely says, "Come with me. <laughs> Come with me. Come with me, <laughs> Get old out lady. Of here, you silly old bag." <laughs> uh, that <laughs> building next door to Three CR is worth about a hundred million dollars. Can you imagine how much it cost <laughs> while you were trying to chat up? <laughs> Chat up those two young blokes. Did you get their phone number? <laughs> no, I got taken away before I could do anything serious. Uh, <laughs> so there we go. I've given myself a slightly. Yeah. A oh, you don't have to week. do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, to prove. Sorry, I, I keep just, falling asleep. Here. Just to prove that she's human. <laughs> I'm so tired. Yeah. I'm, it's it's my ex- extreme sports. Yeah. They they make me very tired. But what, before I forget, sports? I have to say something. I promised a listener I would do this. Yes. While I was getting on a tram yesterday, going to Northcote, a very dapper, older chap oh. came up and spoke to me. Did somebody try and pick you up? Well, I thought for, for, for a horrified for a moment <laughs> he was. <because laughs> not, a, not the ones in hats. They always look like they got a copy of um, the Sporting Globe in yeah. their <laughs> The kite. No, my mother warned me against men who gamble. It's always, it's always <laughs> men who bet, she used to say. But uh, no, he struck me, he asked me, he said, oh, yes, sir, I'm here. I said, yes, I am. And he said, in the studio, has the still got that sign up to Jack the Hat? Jack and the I hat. said, yes, it has, and here it is. And I'll read it to you. Welcome, all you lovely people. This is the Hats. This is the Hats. Jack Davison's here. Jack now, the now hat I can hardly read it. I might have to yeah. put glasses on. Jack the Hat <laughs> Davidson. And this is a plaque which was donated by his friends and mates, especially the waterside workers. That was when we used to have a, a, a waterside workers' federation back in the old days. Yes. So good morning, um, Jim. Jim. Jim was nice. <laughs> Jim, it was good to run into you there, Jim. Haven't seen you for many years. It was good, That's good. That, uh, and how did you end that up? you recognised me. I hadn't even spoken and you knew who I was, so that was oh, fairly amazing. And it's it's uh, normally when I say something and they hear the old gravelly rasp, but I say, 
I know you. Ah, I listen to oh, you. Oh, yeah. What so, you said last week was shit. Yeah. You know, that, that's normally what I <laughs> that's get. That's what we always talk but about. But good morning, this is a good morning to you. Yeah. So when you left the place the next morning, excuse me, you're talking to someone who, I don't have time for this sort of stuff. Oh, really? I'm an extreme no. athlete, you know that. I'm really? very busy <laughs> oh, my with my God. extreme athletes. I need my extreme athletics. But I, I do tend to fall asleep every time I sit down, though, because I'm always tired. Mm. I'm getting really good at the kickboarding. Oh, oh you're still oh, on yeah. that one. I'm going to be a champion kickboarder. Mm. But do you do the... know that there are certain activities in the bed that are like are just get rid of as many calories and stuff that. as... Good as a 10-mile run, they reckon. That would be awful. Yeah. Oh, I read. I'm I should shocked. be like a ground. I'm a poor. And as for you, Bagman, who would want to do yeah, a 10-mile no, run like or, or, or ride a bicycle? Well, and I've re- forgotten how to ride a bicycle anyway. No, no, I'm not. I have to strengthen parts. I have to have my strength. Oh, yeah. Don't tell us body. which parts. We yeah, someone I have to no, walk. Show I have us. to no. swim. <laughs> oh, I've already yes. shown you, Bagman. Oh, oh no. Oh. It wasn't while I was here. Yeah. Oh, no. No. You can't talk. I've seen your bum. Oh, Yes. Yeah. We've got to go through that story again. <laughs> anyway, getting off the subject. Getting yeah. off the subject, I should tell you, as part of the rest They're of all my, breaths, for my extreme sports, I had a lovely trip to Ballarat on Wednesday. Yes, I've seen wow. that on Facebook. It's a lovely train ride, especially when you it go, is a nice train go ride. up there with a girlfriend and you chatter and natter. Yes. Well, yes. If you're chattering and nattering and giggling with the girlfriend listener, don't sit in the quiet carriage. Yeah, I was going to say People don't that. like it. No. We, we change carriages halfway yeah. through. But, yes, and uh, saw so the Archibalds. Superb. Yeah, I heard that. Brilliant. I'm yeah, gonna, I saw that. I, I'm, Brilliant. I'm, I'm yeah. often in Ballarat and uh, I'll make sure to have a look. Um, and talking about the quiet carriage, um, I was recently in Japan um, and they've got carriages for women only. Oh, How's fantastic. That? Yeah, and no, they were pretty well packed too. I'm not sure I like that. Oh, no, yes, no, I rent no. frowning. I, and I'm oh. going, fantastic. I would have loved it all my life. No. The time I was 15, I would have loved a women's yeah. only carry. If only. And you wouldn't have manspreading uh, no. in that carriage. No, you know what on, I do like with the Like on our trams. When I like go to sit new. down, no, when I go to sit down, I deliberately, first of all, I plonk myself from a bit of a height. So I'm sitting, and also I do it over the side of the seat that they've got their leg on. So I go... Bang! Sit down, oh, and they yeah. move their legs. They get a fright. Jesus! And then <laughs> you're just out to terrify poor men well, uh, travelling on the public eggs. transport yep. system, taking three seats. Go and on. they look at me We're out of the corner of their eye. Balls. <laughs> yeah, go on. I'd they hate think they're brought with Crawford. That's um, that's my technique. Hope I'm not getting on a tram with you. No, yeah, don't. When I speak to them. No. I, I always say, "Hi, say good morning." You know. Yeah. You know, did you know that there's really room for two people to sit on the seat? <laughs> that what you oh, say? thank you. Well, I make sure I say it when there are a lot of other people around. Uh, yes. So now, can I just? Heard. See, can I just? Um, sorry. Go, I no, read. sorry. I've just interrupted you. Keep going. Please go. Please. Oh well, I'm I wanted sorry. to big note myself because <laughs> oh. you know, to each other. In 1996, a portrait of me, moi, in the, um, in the, uh, what were they called? The Archibalds. Archibalds got into the final really? group. Yes. Oh. It did. Really? So where would that painting be now? Yes, it did. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. I, I can remember, but I only... Jeff, I didn't... Jeffrey Lowe did it. Who? If you look up Jeffrey Lowe, Jeffrey Jeff Lowe, Lowe. He, uh, he did the portrait. And it, So if you look up the list of the finalists, it's in there. Oh, yes, I've never, I was just saying oh, to my friend Andrew, who I've known since we were 18, 
saying that I was disappointed that I had never been in the Archibalds. And we had a look, and I have three portraits somewhere of me. One was in the Tate Gallery in London. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was an exhibition with the artists. It wasn't like a picture of me per se. But uh, there were three artists who have... um, Mm. Three well-known ones, but they're never, mm. and they're all pretty well of the head. Well, there's one of me in the bath, stepping out of the bath, mm. which is oh. more than me head. Really? Yeah. Did you have a towel mm. wrapped around yourself? No, no oh, I was stepping God. out of the bath. Yeah, look, his eyes cool. are up now. Oh, <laughs> oh heavens. I think, yeah, I was 19 or something. Well. I was reaching out. There's like Best when you were 19 than you are now. Yes, yes, I mean, we all agree. It was a work of art. <laughs> and you too. It wasn't Mr. South. Badman. You're going on and say it's a porny pick. Yeah. Um, look, talking about um, talking about people who haven't got enough brains. Or to be in bra- the Archibalds. If, no, no, I was going to talk about <laughs> if people had bra- um, dynamite for brains, they wouldn't be able to blow their nose. Yes. Apparently, Diane Asma from the oh, here Health, we go. Health, <laughs> He's workers, on it again. Health Workers Union <laughs> was giving a speech the other day. Yes. And she was talking about um, giving someone a history lesson. She was talking about World War Eleven. Um, apparently she really? got apparently she got a Roman numerals mixed up, and she thought oh, no. it said World War Two. She thought <laughs> it was World War Eleven. Oh, oh, gee, we're in trouble, but, aren't yes, we? It's, I mean, anyone? Okay, she may be. You may. She say, may be dumb. Yeah, and and not understand that so many things are written in Roman numerals. Um, perhaps she's all got these clocks which are digital now. She doesn't well, have to go. A, Work away through numerals. We haven't even got up to World War Three yet. Yes, much, much less World just War Eleven. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait a few minutes. Oh well, we, sh- um, we shouldn't. We should not laugh at people because of their no. lack of intellect. Well, it's well, maybe not even. Dumb. It might be just a lack of education in that yeah. way. Yeah. Lack of education. Okay. You think? Yes. You I, haven't, I, I do I call think, people dumb sometimes. I think she went to a nice school. A nice one, but mm. we get you get taught it. Nice schools. About you used to went to nice schools. Yes, of course yeah. you did. Country child. I went to St Michael's in uh, in North Melbourne. I know where St Michael's is. Yeah, yeah. And then and I, I went, went on to, to Lady of Sion in yeah. Sale, but I had a scholarship. I had a great education. There was always blokes in black robes, oh. uh, willing to <laughs> <laughs> willing to enhance enhance my, my education by um, giving me scholarships, um, very liberal scholarships too. Lucky they didn't put red caps on when they were giving. <laughs> <you this idea. laughs> now, can I say Michael Moore? Oh yeah, Michael congratulations, Moore. Can Michael, you say Michael Moore? Moore. Because Michael Moore predicted this in great detail that Trump was going to get up, and he said why. He said because he was going to win Wisconsin. You're talking about Trump. Oh. No, we're allowed to. Right. No, Just get today. it off our chest today. Yeah, today. Yeah. He said that Trump was going to win in um, the Rust Belt states, they call them, which is Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania and Michigan, mm-hmm. which he did. Mm-hmm. Mind mm-hmm. you, he won Florida and other ones as well. But they were the ones, and apparently uh, Clinton didn't even go. They didn't even go there, which seems a bit odd. Yeah, and, a lost uh, cause. Is it a system like No, Tas- well, they thought they were going to win it because they oh, always right. win them. And, and it's a and, system uh, like Tasmania too, isn't it? Where Well, look, we've got six senators from Tasmania. 
Yes. How come they, they get six senators? Yeah, how well, come? They're all... 250,000 oh, people, they've yeah, got six senators. But they're outrageous. joined together yeah, but there's... at the neck. But there's only three it. of them, really. <laughs> Stop, don't you no, start no, that. So we've got that same thing happening, in, in that same thing goes on in USA where you have a small group of people have a bigger say in the uh, Well, mm. not necessarily, no, because if you look at California's got 55 and they had about four in Michigan or somewhere. So, no, it is, it's not really like that, I don't think. I don't think so. But the fact is that he got, he got those ones that I think the Democrats thought they had because they won them last time. They've won them for a while, apparently. So, and in Florida, which... Uh, was a chance, but then it went bang the other way. So mm. it's interesting. But uh, uh, Paul Keating, too, has got the right idea. Good on you, Paul. Australia should cut itself off yes, from the now. United States and stop hanging onto their skirts and bowing and scraping to them and going and fighting wars with them and bombing people. And yeah, Well, there's no value in them now. They're bankrupt. Yeah, well, that, that we get no happen. value from no. them. There's still going to be wars. As Paul Keating saw, we live in the Pacific. Yes. Yeah. And well, we have, our neighbours are Indonesia, China, as Gough saw, our neighbours yes. are mm, China. Mm. Not these bloody cowboys over there that have nothing to do with us. And mm. the United States would li- like to lead us into a confronta- confrontation with China because they've been trying to cause some problems about the um, South China Sea and the and the uh, little islands there. Those little rocks. Those little bits of Any, that China yeah. is actually doing something with, and nobody else has touched ever yes, since our they've been there. Is not with America. It's not with America. Well, it's coming up to four minutes to so ten o'clock. Oh, um, so let's get on to oh, a little bit of tool? little bit of industrial news. You've got one minute for your oh, yeah. well, Can I just news. say there's sixty five dead women oh, yes. in Australia. Thank you, counting dead women and uh, destroy now. the joint. Yeah. Thank you. I see that uh, Fair Work Australia is uh, probing the underpayment of 6,000 employees at Chemist Warehouse. Oh. Um, so it's uh, estimated that there would be millions and millions of dollars uh, owing to the workers at Chemist Warehouse. Well, now, go on. Um, if anybody robs their workers, even though it may be in a little cafe or a little restaurant or a pizza shop or whatever, you're as much a criminal as the big players, Apple and the multinationals and whatever. You rob your workers, you don't pay them properly, you're as criminally intent as they are, or criminally liable. It's the same as, as going they are. into their house and robbing them. Robbing them, them. yep. But even, uh, what's the place up on the corner here? Even that lot haven't McDonald's? Paid. No, 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 the other one on the Seven other side. 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. Apparently they're not even paying them, the workers back properly the way they should be, so there's a problem with that. Well, apparently the government is going to uh, introduce a thing called internship um, at $4 an hour. Yes. Uh, and people <laughs> at Seven uh, Eleven will be applying for those uh, internships. So it's coming up to 9.58. You've been listening to Left After Breakfast, a very popular radio program presented by Susan Duffy, uh, of which me and Irene Bolger have a very small part. So let's go out in the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight. You lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. <laughs>